Welcome to Sam and Maggie Hate Glee. This is episode two of season three, and I just really want to get that stuff done at the top so that we can get into stupider garbage. The meat? Yeah. Let's just do it. So this is episode two. Like you said, it's I Am Unicorn. Yes. And it originally aired on September 27th, 2011 with 8.6 million viewers, which is down from last week, which had 9.21 million. And now that we've got all that out of the way, we can talk about Pokemon Quest. Yes, of course. What what is it? What is the name of it? Is it Pokemon Pocket Quest? No, it's just Pokemon no. Quest. I think just Pokemon Quest. Yeah, yeah I'm too uh, too entrenched in Animal Crossing Pocket right. Camp. Right. I think they should just put Pocket in front of every phone game. Well, I mean, that's technically Pokemon stands for Pocket Monsters. So I suppose yeah, it's sort of like ATM ATM yeah. machine that exactly sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but you bring that up. I'm excited. I I forgot that E3 is like this next week. So, dude, did you see that? Like, there's apparently like six titles that accidentally got launched with no. There aren't any names or anything associated with them. Right. For on like the Switch marketplace. Ooh, that's yeah. Exciting. There's like they're all like full price sixty dollar games. Hmm. So interesting. I'm just holding my. I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed for uh, Animal Crossing for the Switch. Yeah. But, uh, oh my we'll god. It, I mean, if we get Pokemon and Animal Crossing within the same year for the Switch, I'm just going to be gone. Well, yeah, I think we're we're going to have to stop making the podcast because <laughs> I'm going to be a little bit too involved. Right. Already, you know. Yeah. the The thing is, I think Pokemon might become a yearly thing now, though, since they're doing the Let's Go ones this year, and next year we're getting another core game. Maybe they'll just switch off every so, year. So is Let's Go not a core game? No, it sounds like it's actually just, like, it's only the first 150 Pokemon. and Okay. Um, but it, I don't know. It, it sounds like it's not technically a core game, so it won't, like, link up with Bank or anything. But it does, like, interact with Pokemon Go. So, hmm. yeah. Well, yeah, I, I don't want to start playing Pokemon Go again, you know? Fair enough. Because yeah. I had such, I, I really, I jumped on board right at the beginning. Yeah. As soon as the app was open to the people in the U.S., I right. was on it, like, within the same hour. Yeah. Because I was living in a house with other people who were excited. We are all very excited. I don't want to start playing Pokemon Go again, because I know I'm not going to get the username I want, and right. everything's yeah. going to be different, even though the first version was bad, like, the... I, I don't know how the gyms worked or whatever. I definitely don't know how the gyms work now. Yeah. Uh, well, it's I've whole thing. I, I've I've gotten back into it recently, and it's not too bad. But it does it is somewhat infuriating because they have this like special quest thing that you can do to get Mew, and it, you have to do these like ridiculous tasks to do it. Mm. And like right now, I'm very frustrated because I evolved a Magikarp like right before I started doing these quests, and one of the quests yeah. is to evolve a Magikarp, which takes 400 candies. Oh god! And it's just it's no, very that's so infuriating. terrible. Yeah. So anyway. That's, I was look, oh, yeah, yeah I was looking through like an old sketchbook. I found like scribblings of uh, like how many Pidgey candies will I need? Like all this. <laughs> Cute. God, I'm glad I'm not doing it anymore. Uh, this episode was directed by Brad Falchuk. 
and <laughs> written is, by Ryan Murphy. This is going to be a mess to listen to. People are like, what are they even talking about? No. This is not someone's first episode. That's you true. Know? I mean, like, here's the way I'm thinking about it. If people are jumping on board, they're going to start at, at the top of season three. Right. Yeah, I, I right? hope so. I hope so, because that one hopefully was good. Some good parts of the episode uh, that we can see up top. Uh, Idina Menzel is in it. Yes. That's good. Yeah, I guess that's it. Huh? Uh, is that it? Oh, no. <laughs> um, I mean, there's some pretty cool posters, I guess. I actually kind of like this episode overall. I, like, I do, I'm not, too. It's, it's just, not bad. Yeah, it's just not... It's not a stellar episode, but it's no. also not a terrible episode. So, you know, take what you can get. So we start off with a recap, basically going over intro to season three things. Yes. yep. Uh, Sugar Mata, we know that she's a, a mess. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. We uh, know that Blaine's at McKinley. Yep. Uh, because yeah. Kurt convinced him to do it to do that. Yep. Quinn is also a mess. I listen. Should we talk about the usage of the word skank? I mean, like, let's let's hold on that. Let, let's wait because this episode I'm going to have quite a bit I think to talk about when it comes to Quinn. So yeah. let, let's hold well, on. Well, can can we call her a skank? We didn't really address this last episode. I mean, they address her as like, they address themselves as the skanks, and I think yeah. they I think they like self-identify a, a, that way. Yeah, it's a self-appointed term, right? So it's yeah, we can call her a skank. It's probably fine. <laughs> yeah, it will, we'll just make sure it's we're, we're making it clear it's a capital S skank. It's not a yeah. it's not a lowercase s. Skank. And if it's not fine, we'll we'll bleep every single instance. <laughs> oh god, this is going to be a terrible episode. Um, the other things of note in the recap: West Side Story is happening, and Sue is on a tirade against the arts. So she is once yes. again our antagonist. We already know that West Side Story is happening. Did they talk about that last episode? Yeah. Well, Rachel at the very end of it was like, "Everyone, we're doing West Side Story. I've decided it, so we're going <laughs> does, to do it." Because I need the it fuck for does that make it the School Musical? I don't know. McKinley's it's, stupid. Uh, we open on Kurt, like Kurt's sort of weird crimping. shrine. Yeah, like his yeah, his locker. it's his it's his locker. The current shrine is indeed intact. Yes, and it's not like a current photo of Blaine. It's no. like the weird like full on Mad Dog in the camera. Well, uh, it's definitely. I think it's like his school picture from Dalton. Yeah. Like, which doesn't make sense. When would he have taken it? He's a freshman. Whatever. I'm done. I can't. Well, no. It, he would have taken it at Dalton. He was at Dalton for however long he was. And yeah. the other weird thing is that if it's a school photo, it's zoomed out pretty far. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> it does have that sort of like weird cloudy, like teal clouds that a lot of school photos do. Right. But you can see basically his entire upper torso. Yeah, no, it's it's a I, weird picture. I agree with you. It doesn't make sense. Um, and those but, eyebrows are definitely filled in a little extra, but we know Blaine does that already. Right. Uh, so, yeah, so yeah. We, we see Kurt primping in front of his locker, and Brittany it, it comes up to him and starts talking to him. She says some really nice things about how she really appreciates um, the way he lives his life and how amazing he is, yep. and calls him a unicorn, and Kurt's just like, Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, her point here is that she wants to help him run this yes. campaign. He So when Rachel announced that we were doing West Side Story as the musical, Kurt also announced that he's running for senior class president because he needs that as his extracurricular yeah, or something. Yeah, this is, this is all like Niata necessity stuff. Right. Brittany wants to help him run this campaign because she thinks he's cool. But we do get a cut scene. Um, well, so Kurt says, why don't you just run if 
Like, you know, if you're this passionate about it. And Brittany says, I'm too stupid to run. That scene, this part is so sad. Like, we flash to uh, Miss Hagberg's class. Except she taught home ec, didn't she? Yeah, she did. And now it's a history class. (laughs) Or like a geography class or something. Maybe she teaches both. Yeah. Uh, Which, I mean, public, we can't fix the public school system while we discuss Glee. No. Uh. Hagberg asks her uh, what the capital of Ohio is. Brittany says, oh, which which is correct. Yes. And uh, then asks if Brittany knows who the president is. And Brittany says, will I am. And then they all laugh at her because that's apparently really funny that she doesn't know that. It's not that funny. No, Um, it's not. It's it's sort of like a clumsily told racist joke in a way because the president was Obama at that point. Uh, but if we really consider that Brittany's an alien, she answered the Ohio question correctly. Yes. And why should she be expected to know who the Earth president is? Right. No, I agree. Um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Glee actually, this episode actually has a couple of those times when people all laugh at something and I'm like, that's okay, not funny we, we are going to talk about that. I it know. is so fucking lazy. Like instead of having, instead of having an actual joke that's funny, having characters in universe laugh at something to tell us that it's funny. No, yeah, it doesn't make no, sense. No, no, no. It kind of flashes back, and Kurt agrees that she can help him run. She'll, she'll run his campaign essentially. Um, and Brittany is pumped yeah. to do it. She's like, "Yes!" And then yes. we cut to a title card. Gotta say, that's a nice, like, short and sweet cold open yep. from a Glee episode. Agreed. You know, it was succinct to the point. I'm also really happy with um, the direction that both Kurt and Rachel are going in this season, uh, right. with like having personal goals for themselves. Other than, I Being don't know, getting singing, fu- I guess. Yeah, yeah, getting solos for the Glee Club. Yeah, uh, having characters have like personal motivation is amazing. Yes. Okay. Yes. So let's let's move to the next scene. It's we're in the Glee room. Uh, Shu walks in announcing that he has big news, which is that Vocal Adrenaline doesn't have a coach anymore because they came in second at nationals. Yes. They hired the well. They fired Mr. Goolsby. We don't know who is directing them. No. They talk about how this is surely a weakness right. uh, that they can exploit on Vocal Adrenaline's part. They also talk about the musical. Uh, yes. How Will is not going to have time to direct it because he wants to focus on nationals and getting everybody up to snuff with their dancing. Yes. With a new program he is calling. Booty camp. Let's talk about booty camp real quick. Booty camp. Booty yeah. camp is specifically for Finn, Puck, Kurt, and Mercedes. Yeah, Finn, Puck, Kurt, and Mercedes. Blaine asks if he can go. Yes, um, uh, and Mike is helping to run it because yeah. He's good well, at Mike dancing. is running it. Right. Well, we find that <laughs> well, out later, but. <laughs> uh, yeah, booty camp. So Kurt can dance we know that he can do choreography he just likes to spice it up with that shoulder move yeah that, well, they, that they mention yeah and so it's interesting i don't know how to feel about this entirely because i feel like you should do if you're gonna do this you should do it for everyone like even yeah. if they're good at dancing so that way everyone is getting the same you know like basic instruction and stuff. yeah totally I mean, like, you know because it's a good community building exercise too but whatever this show sucks so um uh, but yeah, the the other thing before we get to the musical, did you notice that apparently the boosters of Vocal Adrenaline do- donate tens of thousands yeah. of dollars to the Glee Club? <laughs> yeah, that is said. It has to be an exaggeration. Like my God, if if we are to assume that this Glee Club in 
if New Directions in this universe is supported by a $60 a month budget, <laughs> then we have to assume that Vocal Adrenaline doesn't need more than, like, $150. No, definitely. It's, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just so well, Okay, stupid. they did get all those, like, SUVs, though. That's true. Do you remember that? I do remember that. They also hired the guy that's, like, $10,000 per song for choreography. Yes! So. That, that weird, like, squirmy guy who we never see after that one episode he's in. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, I just wanted to point that out because I think it's hilarious. Um, it is very weird. But so, yeah. we get back to the musical now. Uh, Will is standing down as director, which is a good choice, I think, because uh, he did a shitty job with Rocky Horror. Yep. And he really has no business directing anything. Agreed. Uh, at least he realizes that. He appointed he appoints Emma, Shannon Beast, and Artie for directing. Initially, Rachel thinks that she's being called on to be the student director. <laughs> she pipes up, be like, well, you know, Barbara was 40 before she decided to direct herself, and everyone's just like, eh, no, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, well, there's also, there's also, like, a really ham-fisted fat joke, I think, when, because sure. Rachel objects that Emma and, uh, Shannon have no experience in directing musicals or even, like, being oh, in them. yes. And this Shannon... Was- Shannon does say that in college, she she was a part of a musical production. A funny thing happened on the way to the forum. Um, and she says, I played the forum, which... That doesn't really read as a fat joke to me. It reads as, like, somebody being like, I played a tree. <laughs> you know, like, they just needed to... They needed to uh, pad out parts so that right. more people could be in the show. Yeah. So they just put Shannon Beast in some sort of forum costume, you, you, you mean, know? You mean how, like, in Lady Bird, how they, play, how they have someone who plays the Tempest? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I played the Tempest, which just means you're, like, dressed as a storm cloud, right? Right. Yeah, I think so. Um, sure, fair enough. But, yeah, so Artie agrees. Every, he seems hesitant at first, which is whatever. And then Tina's like, but you're so good at directing, Artie. Yeah, yeah Tina's so. like, you've directed short films. This is your dream. And Artie relents, and he's going to do it. Yes. Which, this is not a bad crew, Artie, no. Emma, and Shannon Beast. Yeah, we definitely get some more later this episode we're going to get to, which, like, I think shows that I I would personally, like, if I had to pick people in the show to run the musical... I couldn't do much better than these three, I think, because I feel like they just complement each other really well. But we'll see. They they do. I maybe I would replace Artie with someone else. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but who though? Um, Santana. But then she couldn't be in it. Right. Well, and she's also Maggie. She's not allowed to do anything with Glee right now because she hasn't oh, yes, signed the loyalty pledge. Because she's she set the piano on fire, of course. Yes. So Shelby is back. That's the next scene. We get a camera shot that is questionable at best. That starts at her toes and goes all the way to the tip. Here's the thing: we get a montage of Shu making coffee before this, which is another thing mm-hmm. that happens a lot this episode. Oh is yeah, like... like these these like intro montages into yeah. a scene. Yes. Brad Falchuk was feeling very creative. <laughs> so Shelby is in the teachers' lounge. She's uh, surprising Shu because apparently Shelby works here now. Yeah, because Al Mata, you'll remember Sugar Mata's dad, the guy who had the pianos, who is like straight out of Entourage. He's like a like Jersey bro. Oh, he's great though, Al Mata. (laughs) The best quote he said, he only has one line in this episode. He says, my sugar's a supernova, figgy. 
Because <laughs> he's 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 paying uh, Shelby's way. Yes. Yeah, they had to like search her out in New York so that they she could come. They her, which is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Almada has gotten her hired to run a rival show choir at McKinley so yeah. that Sugar can be in it. <laughs> Honestly, I love this. Like, <laughs> it is so bonkers, right? Like, this would never happen. Right. I guess oh. we're, we are led to believe that McKinley has severe budget problems. <laughs> oh, my God. That is... So, we're, we're talking about how Almada... They, they have a cutaway that shows Almada, like, giving this huge check for this purpose to Figgins. Um, but Figgins... She's a supernova, Figgy. <laughs> but Figgins does loudly announce to his secretary that the toilet paper shortage is over thanks to this enormous check. <laughs> Wipe away. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty good joke. I, I just like that uh, the show isn't really backing away from how ridiculous this plot line is. Like, it's just sort of happening. <laughs> yes. And Will doesn't even question, like, why would the school have two glee clubs? Instead, no. he's like, huh, I guess we're going to compete. Uh, Shelby does say, I'm not here to poach any of your kids. It's just, you know, it's a job, it's a job. But Will seems concerned about the students and their emotional health. I don't like this part because it seems like he's just sort of being emotionally manipulative. Yeah. Towards Shelby Corcoran. Right. Like, he's he's like, well, I'm worried about Rachel. Like, and he, Quinn he, and Puck, because they're yeah. all inextricably tied to you. He, yeah. he quickly, like, he changes the tone of their conversation very fast. Yeah. Like, they're just having sort of a casual conversation about how there's going to be two glee clubs and whatever. And then he's like, but what about Rachel? Well, what have you done? Yeah. How, how could you? What, what's weird about this whole, like... I, at least so far this season, it seems like Will, like, they decided they're like, Will isn't powerful enough as a man. And, like, <laughs> so everything he does in this episode, at least, has been, is, like, super aggressive and, like, really over the top when it comes to, like, him proving that he's really good at stuff or, like, really cares about the students or whatever. I don't know. It's very power heavy. Well, at least there's, like, very little of Will in this episode, comparative to other episodes. That's true. Like, he's... He has these moments where he's horrible, but they're very contained. Yeah. No, it's true. Because because Shelby shuts this line of conversation down. Yeah. Like, she's like, hey, listen, I've made mistakes here. The only place I'm going to fix those mistakes is here. Yeah. Thanks. And that's the that's the end of their conversation. Shelby's boobs are really bouncy in this scene. I think that's Shelby what we're looks, supposed to see, but, like... Shelby looks really good. She's she, wearing... She looks mon- yeah, she's wearing monochrome purple, like a like a silky purple shirt, and then a purple pencil skirt, yes. and purple pumps. She looks great. Yes. Uh, which, maybe, okay, maybe she's framed in that way because that's how Will is seeing her, because yeah. we know that Will at least finds her attractive. They made out that one time. Right. Maybe that's why we get that camera shot, too, from oh, yeah, the toes to tip, because yeah. he's just giving her the once-over, you know? Gross. Um, yeah, his male gaze <laughs> is, is just penetrating is, her. Isn't it gross? Well, yeah. it was directed by Brad Falchuk, who we know uh, is a perpetrator of the male gaze, because he's a man. Right. So, uh, let's move to the next scene. The next scene is the bullying skanks. <laughs> yes. They are just sort of outright bullying someone, well, like swirling and yeah. asking for their lunch money. I, I put, they, they waterborne a teen for her money. Um, yeah, they do. It's really bad. This is stereotypical bullying. So, you know, they're trying to portray it that way, I think. At least this bullying is stereotypical. The other bullying we've got is, like, so much more bullshit. Like, throwing yeah. slushies in people's faces. Yeah. The fuck does that? It's just glee. 
Exactly. Yeah. The, the other thing, I think one of the skanks is different than last episode. Could Did be. You know? I yeah. wasn't really paying attention. Yeah. All I know is that the the bully or the bully the bull uh, the the, the one person who getting bullied. bullied. Yeah. Yeah. She says, "Wow, you guys are so mean!" As she runs away, <laughs> and the Mac in her yells in her face, "That's what passed for love in my house." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and Ronnie, I think, is the one who's like threatening to shank her with a spork. Yes. Very. Talks good. about how she's a foster kid. Like she's yeah. like, "I'm a foster kid, so I'm I'm used to stealing money or, or something no, to like shanking, that." I'm pretty sure it's what oh, she sure. says. But well, yeah, it's, it, it, I guess it's like meta. Like, yeah. We're supposed to find these ridiculous. Sure. Right. Yeah. So Sue arrives, though, and sends the other skanks away to talk to Quinn about how show choir ruined her life. Yeah, they discuss uh, Quinn's quote-unquote shitty life. They don't say that in the show. It's quotes from my notes. Because okay. I'm very frustrated with the fact that Quinn thinks she has a bad life. Yeah, so this is where I said, this is the first intro we're getting of Quinn is sad about Beth, her baby, yeah. when last season we got Nothing. nothing nothing <laughs> oh but also quinn was sort of subsumed by her persona yeah of, like the popular girl That's so true. maybe this is her like being her true self yeah well she thinks that maybe too which uh shelby corcoran disagrees later in the episode but yeah so sue essentially just like hey i want to make a video for my campaign that shows how badly show choir ruined your life and quinn is like well i have a few demands and then sue is like i'll i'll accept one of them we're done oh, here yeah yeah <laughs> Quinn asks for couches underneath the bleachers because she's found that after smoking all day, it hurts to stand. Yes. And because she does say, quote, a few demands. Yes. She asks for the couches and then Sue, like, cuts her off and leaves. Yeah, she, like, takes her money, the money they just stole from this girl, mm-hmm. and is just like, okay, I can do that. And then just leaves. I was like, okay. She said she had a few demands. Quinn doesn't protest or anything. I guess like, she does say couches. But like, that's it's... not what a few demands means. I know. I know. <laughs> I I noticed it the first time I watched. Definitely noticed it the second time. It's all terrible. <laughs> the next scene uh, is in the Hummel household. We're in Kurt's room, I yes. think. Where uh, it is painted Dior gray, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Brittany is presenting Kurt with all the campaign stuff she's made right. posters that are pretty flamboyant uh they are bright pink covered in unicorns rainbows glitter all yep. this stuff and then she shows him the pink bulging sacks fun sacks which, maggie yeah which are uh like goodie bags full of uh you know trifling garbage to make people <laughs> vote for kurt well so my question with those sacks is how are they going to afford red ruby heels for all of the students at mckinley they won't i britney's just excited yeah that's fair um no yeah kurt kurt finds this a little too gay as it were um it, it, that's a weird phrasing though right isn't it? <laughs> like it's definitely internal internalized homophobia to a certain extent yeah it has to be well maggie yeah that's what this whole episode's about what does too gay mean because kurt presents his own poster which is equally gay all right it's like a recreation of like a judy garland photo shoot yes well it like that's part of it is britney does point that out when kurt like tells the story so of unicorn. it she's like you should tell that story during your camp or your campaign speeches because it's really unicorn she doesn't say it that way she's she's so into no I know. everything that comes out of kurt's mouth she's it's just true. like yeah totally yes yeah. Well, yeah, it's, I don't know, 
it's definitely i think you're right it's some internalized homophobia i think part of it is they're trying to tie it together to the plot that's actually coming up in this episode for kurt Um, it's a little clumsy in that way though i'm not sure they really manage it except like there is like a direct pull together after well we'll get to it the other thing i would say is maybe to lean into this like they're trying to base it on the fact that there was the prom queen fiasco that happens yeah. at the end of last season so like kurt is a little sensitive about reminding everyone that he's super duper gay because they were all mean to him about it before yeah so it's true but we have seen no repercussions from kurt becoming prom queen right that's also true so you know bad when writing. people get when people get bullied other times in the show it's like an actual thing you know they have to deal with cleaning slushy off of themselves they right. feel upset about it kurt hasn't even said anything no we, we have no reminder yeah i don't know Brittany kind of capitulates in this scene she's like okay like we'll see what we do about it or whatever <laughs> they definitely don't come to any sort of finality no the next scene is puck and quinn visiting shelby in a classroom right uh they talk about beth Yes. Quinn is extremely belligerent because that's just sort of her skank aesthetic. Yep. The one moment that really jumped out to me during this scene is Shelby talks about how she knows how she feels, she knows how Quinn feels because of what she had to go through with Rachel, how she kept looking for Rachel's face everywhere. She then says the quote, after putting Rachel up for adoption. Yeah. Did that happen? I thought she was contracted by Rachel's gay dads. I honestly don't know, because they're trying to make a ham-fisted metaphor between Beth and Rachel at this point, which doesn't make any sense, because no matter, like, how you look at it, Shelby... I don't think Shelby was ever intended to be, like, a part of the life that Rachel was having. She never intended to be a part of Rachel's life. Right. That was, like, part of it. Yeah. Is that and there was like a contract that she signed where she couldn't contact Rachel before she turned 18. Exactly. That's why she had Jesse do all that garbage. I thought... (laughs) <laughs> that she got like a sum of money for yeah. for for her uh, gestating Rachel. Yeah. See, that's what I thought too. I, I just, okay. because Rachel was was made out of a mixture of her dad's semen. Right. Yes. For for the cheap joke that she's not black. Yeah. Um, exactly. The the other like here's the thing. They're kind of retconning both Shelby's story and Quinn's story to make yeah. up this whole storyline about how Quinn is really upset about the fact that like she gave Beth away even though she didn't give a shit all of last season and yeah. like suddenly she cares a lot. Like it's just Okay, so let's talk about this for a second. Are they doing it this way because they realized that they didn't really have anything to talk about after the end of last season? I think... Are they doing it this way because they're just trying to correct shitty writing that they've done before? I think part of it is that I think at this point, Quinn had become a more popular character. So Mm. I think they wanted to give Quinn more of a storyline, but they couldn't think of anything to, like, give Quinn a positive storyline. Instead, they were like, let's make her really, like, angry and just turn her into, like, this angry woman who is questing to get her daughter back, even though she agreed to give her up and is a teenage mom and, like, recognized that she did not have the capabilities or the skill to take care of a child. Like, yeah, to me, this conversation really shows that... Glee doesn't have any sort of reliance or loyalty to their past storylines. Right. Right? Like, they don't really give a shit about <laughs> the people who've watched the show and should know what's going on. Right. Like, they're just like, no, people don't watch the show continuously. People are only turning this on and want to see archetypes, like, bash against each other. Yeah. That's all they want. Right? I think I think part of it, I think you're onto something. I think the fact that they're in season three, they're mm-hmm. saying, like, oh, like, you know... 
we've made it this far. Like, we can do whatever we want. And, like, let's just try to make it as appealing as possible instead of trying to make a consistent show. Because yeah, nobody, definitely. no, we don't need consistency. We need to get those views. And as I, as we've been noting, they've been slipping real hard. So like, let's throw everything against the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, I remember like a a while back, there was like a meme on Tumblr that showed, uh, like pictures of writers' rooms. Yeah. Uh, so there was one from Arrested Development where they had all these fucking sticky notes everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> right. Arrows and shit, you know, trying yes. to make sure there's continuity. And then they showed a picture of the Glee writer's room, which was just bare, completely <laughs> empty. Just has the word there, there was a show choir on the wall. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I, I remember that. It's especially in comparison to a show like Arrested Development. You're like, this is fucking lazy and I hate it. And it's not that, it's not that like being... It's, I don't think there's any sort of innate value to having extreme consistency. I think there can be, but yeah, I think the show would be better if they respected the characters and the storylines that they were already doing more. Right. No, I agree. Yeah. So let's let's just plow through here. Um, Quinn, like I said, is upset about Beth, and yep. then Shelby tells her she can be a part of Beth's life when she quote cleans up her act. Yep. And then. Quinn storms out, and Puck and Shelby share a look, because apparently they're in on this. Um, no. Then we get a whooshing dance sequence. It's Mike and Will uh, sort of whooshing around together in slow-mo. Yeah. Well, that's because that's how all the booty camp sequences open. is With, with whooshing. Yeah, like slow-mo dancing and like whoosh sounds. It's very, like, it's very accurate. Yeah. Um, why why'd they do it that know. way so weird mike is running booty camp we yep. find that out right now because will is like take it away mike and then right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah will just like thanks everyone for being there and is like okay mike you're you're in the lead and it's like of course mike is running this because will doesn't want to do any work <laughs> yeah exactly no one seems to be really into it Mercedes says something about how Shay says that she's a park and bark. I don't know who Shay is. I okay, it said Shay in the subtitles, but I think it's Shane, which oh, is her, her big meaty boyfriend. Okay, fair enough. I just I was like, who's Shay? Um, yep, yep. Yeah. I I asked the same question. Who the fuck is Shay? But yeah, no one. Yeah, seems they're to be they're into dancing. This. Yeah. Uh, Mike has them do grapevines, which is just an excuse for us to see Clayne chat. Yes, they're talking about. Uh, the musical, uh, who's what they're gonna audition with, that sort of thing. Blaine is in between Maria and Something's Coming. Kurt notices that those are Tony songs, and Blaine's like, oh, well, you know, I'm not going for Tony. I'd, I'd prefer, you know, Bernardo or Officer Krupke. Well, Maggie, hold <laughs> off one second. He doesn't necessarily say he's not going for Tony. Kurt mm-hmm. is like, wait, are you going for Tony? And yeah. Blaine kind of picks up the hint that Kurt is very interested in going for Tony. So of Blaine says, oh, well, you know, like, like I'll probably just aim for one of those lower roles because, you know, I, I'm a junior and you're a senior and the senior should have the lead role or whatever. I mean, oh, God, it's just such a nefarious setup, you know? It, it is. Well, Blaine definitely frames it as like, oh, you know, like, I would never get it. I, yeah. I, you're definitely much better for Tony. <laughs> <laughs> and Kurt's like, Kurt just sort of preens at the praise. Yes. And starts doing jazz hands, which Will is like, no jazz hands. <laughs> it is pretty good. But yeah, so that's kind of the setup here. Is, well, um, you know, I, I just can't get the smile off my face uh, during two <laughs> things during the show. Anytime gay people talk to each other. Sure. 
obviously. And anytime Darren Chris is on screen, can't really. <laughs> well, luckily, those... I can't really hold back. Yeah, luckily those two things kind of converge a They're lot. They're the same. Um... They're the same so often. It's great. Uh, yeah. So uh, booty camp is over. Next yep. is uh, Rachel and Shelby in the auditorium. Mm-hmm. Rachel is practicing for her audition. Uh, she's thinking about singing. I feel pretty. Whatever. Yeah. Well, this is like a very emotional, heavy scene that then transitions very clumsily. Yes, yeah. So, so first of all, Rachel Shelby arrives. Rachel is very like, "What are you doing here? Get out! This is a private rehearsal." Um, and she also says the line, "I almost had to go to therapy because of you." Oh my which... god, that line! Because Rachel's like, "I know you're not my mother. You're my birth mother. I almost had to go to therapy because of you." Yeah, it's um. So like once again, we're trotting out this old pony like. I just hate this plot line so much. And I think, once again, we have to, like, we talked about it before when they did this in the first season. But, like, was this really that confusing back then? That, like... No. No, no. I don't think so. Um, But anyway, so, yeah, she says... And, I, like, I, oh, Rachel yeah. is happy with her gay dads. It's not like she's in a bad situation. No. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. So Rachel's like, I'm going to do I Feel Pretty. And Shelby's like, you should do somewhere. And Rachel's like, that song is hard and I don't want to do it. And Rachel's like, you're never going to get anywhere with that attitude, Missy. Yeah, Shelby convinces her to do uh, somewhere Some. for the audition. Uh, she says that she's been Maria like 18 times or something sure. like that. And then they sing it together. Yes. So the majority of the song is these two people during the same, like, it's during the same time that the beginning of the scene started. Right. Right? It's these two people practicing for Rachel's audition. They trade off lines. It sounds great, obviously. Duh. Yeah. It's Idina Menzel and Leah Michelle. Uh, Leah Michelle does pull a lot of faces while she's singing this song. That is sort of a Rachel, like, aesthetic motif, but. Well, that's how she feels emotion, Maggie. Yeah. It's the only way she can. It's by pulling an, an extreme face while singing. Yes. Then the scene changes um at the last note we do a 360 around rachel she and shelby had been holding hands uh because there's like that hold your hand line in the song uh we do a 360 around rachel see that shelby isn't there and then see the directors in the house clapping for rachel yes yeah so apparently it's now her audition because that makes sense um i do appreciate that glee took out all the garbage i didn't want to see which is like you know, the fuffing around Rachel's, the beginning of Rachel's audition. I I understood the shorthand of the language, like, of just transitioning it, it into that scene. Right. However, they should have cut Shelby Corcoran's music as soon as she wasn't on screen. Like, yeah. it should have been gone. Yeah. It that's... ruins the illusion. Yeah, that's it is weird because they're singing it as a duet. And then it's just like, oh, I guess this was also... I mean, I... <laughs> I'm not that upset about it, to be fair, mostly because I like Shelby a lot and I like her yeah. music. Like, I like the way she sings. Um, but but it's lazy. Like, yeah. it's it's not that hard to make the last note only Rachel so that you don't have that problem. Yeah. Like, it's true. just, it's like such an artistic oversight and it's just, it's yeah. lazy. No, I agree. Um, But yeah, so that's Rachel's audition. The judges seem to, or not judges, the directors seem to have eaten it up. Um, but that's basically, it. basically yeah. judges. It's you know, it's the typical uh, three-person panel, right? Where Emma is Paula, 
Paula. Like, well, I don't know. Sure. I hmm. who do you, uh, do you think Artie is Paula? Yeah, Artie's Paula. Okay. Emma is Randy. Randy, and then Shannon Beast is Simon. <laughs> I mean, the closest they're probably going to have to Simon, I would say. I um, guess. Uh, so then the next scene is it's it's like a it's a different uh, filter. It's not. Yes. It's probably like a gray scale fil- filter sort of yeah but we de- we definitely still see that quinn has pink hair in the yes. scene yeah. it's just sort of grayed out a little bit uh yeah. we see quinn doing some really rabble rousish type of stuff you know she le- she puts out her cigarette on a no smoking sign Ugh, and like steal <laughs> i know and steals um uh like a fire extinguisher or something yeah over top of all of this we get a monologue from sue about how the arts destroyed quinn's life Yes. Yeah, so it's definitely, it, it's very <laughs> documentary now, which is fun. Um, yes. But uh, we get to a, there's a moment where they Quinn opens her locker and there's cornstarch inside. Yes, because uh, when she's not snorting Splenda or cutting class, she's smoking cornstarch. <laughs> yeah, so then this transitions, they, they, they go to confront Will in his office. Um, yeah, to hopefully yeah. get the next scene in Quinn Fabray, A Life Ruined by the Arts. Yes. Uh, they go into Will's office so that she can confront him about how Glee Club ruined her life. She yeah. has like a little speech about how she used to be head cheerleader, dating Finn, whatever. Yeah. And Will kind of goes off on her. He has a like cut to the core yelling bit, yeah. which he doesn't say anything that isn't true, but right. I don't think it's the best way to portray someone who is supposed to be like this inspirational best teacher for right. all these kids. Yeah, that's so this is kind of what I was talking about earlier about how Will is way more aggressive this season. He little like I, I completely agree with what you said. Everything he says is true. He essentially tells her, hey, like Glee didn't do that to you. Glee was here for you. Um, yep. You're playing the victim and you've been sabotaging Glee every step of the way. And then he tells her to grow up. The thing is, like, it's completely inappropriate for a teacher to yell at a student like that. Like, no matter, like, yeah. And that's the other thing is he does tell her to grow up, which I think is offensive on another level. Because it seems like a lot of this episode is people telling Quinn that she has to be an adult. Yeah. When she is definitely not an adult. Like, no one's telling any of the other characters they have to grow up. Yep. It is sort of, it's sad to me because in this, in this storyline and with Quinn's storyline in general, instead, uh, she just decides to wear a different, she's decided to wear a different mask than yeah. what she was wearing before. We know that Lucy Kabusi is not Quinn. Yeah. Right? This Quinn, like, perfect, blonde, skinny high school teenager, that's not who Quinn really is. Yeah. It's but, a facade. I mean, and this is just a different yeah. facade. Being yeah. a skank. I guess part of it is I, I have no idea who Quinn really is. And I guess Quinn doesn't really know who she really no, is either. No, she doesn't have um, to because she's no. a teen. Well, Maggie, no, she has to grow up because nah. uh, she's being childish, even though Whatever. she is a child. It's. I think. I feel like it's kind of sexist. Also, I wish there was a more sustained reason for why Shelby doesn't want Quinn to see Beth. Yeah. Like, no, if, if yeah. Quinn was, like, doing drugs, right. I would understand why she wouldn't want beth to be near her but it's not it she's just has she just has pink hair and is smoking cigarettes i so i would argue that like smoking cigarettes is a good enough reason but i agree when i was watching it with chris he pointed out he's like is it because of the way she looks because that's just wrong like you can't just just be like exactly (laughs) you can't be like you have pink hair so you can't see my baby like (laughs) well you 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 can't see your biological baby who is 
also my baby. Well, but that's see, that's the thing is I don't even want to make that distinction at this point because from my, from my opinion, for all intents and purposes, Shelby is Beth's mom. Shelby yes, is the one who definitely. has paid for everything in Beth's life. She's the one who's raised Beth so far. Quinn and Puck have literally zero claim to Beth because they gave her up responsibly. I think they made the right decision. I agree. Uh, we're going to continue with this though by Puck vi- visiting Shelby in the next scene. Yes. There is a weird moment where Shelby's like, how the fuck do you know where I live? Yeah. And Puck says, friends in law enforcement, which means he's been stalking her, probably. Yep. yep. That's really bad. Yes. Not only that, but he's also here. Shelby's like, hey, like, I want you to be a part of Best Life, but like, it has to be on my terms. You can't just show up you like You can't this. just show up at my house. It's a very uncool thing for you to do. But like, I, if this were me, I'd be so much more effective. Like, I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. Like, yeah, like, same. What are you, why did she let him in? I don't know. I don't know. She lets Puck in. He shows her a clean drug test. Says yep. that he's only had beer since they last talked. Cool, dude. <laughs> and also, he's been doing homework. Yeah, he knows who Napoleon is, I guess. He then presents them with a drawing... Uh, oh my god that says it says two beth at the top but, but it's the wrong two yeah. two o's yep and then this drawing is bad like it's <laughs> it looks like a child's drawing is like, puck okay no maggie that's part of it is like none of this makes any sense like why does puck suddenly give so many shits about beth i don't know like i don't know i don't know I guess the nice thing about it is, like, it's not, at the end of the day, I feel like we're getting two examples here. We're going to have yeah. to get to, like, we're, we're getting to Quinn later, but we get to see Puck for this one. It seems like Puck is legitimately, like, he's fine with Shelby being the mom, like, being yeah. Beth's mom. He, he just, just wants, wants to, to kinda... see Beth sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. And so, present them with a very bad clown pig drawing. I think this is less offensive than what we're going to see later, but at least at, at least he's trying to be, like, a nice person and, like, yeah. not take over a life, just be kind of trying to be, like, part of it. So the next scene is Kurt's audition. He has brought in a couple props yep. for it. Scaffolding is the most apparent one. Yeah. Um, he yeah. thanks, like, somebody from the tire shop for making it. Yeah. It's okay. So he, first of all, let's just clarify. So he's sing. he's auditioning for Tony specifically. Yes. And he's singing, I'm the greatest star from Funny which, Girl. Which is a Barbra Streisand song. Yes. Uh, sort of an interesting choice <laughs> if you're playing, like, a butch man. Well, my my problem with this, Rachel auditioned with a West Side Story song. Yes. Blaine later is going to also audition with a West Side Story song. Shouldn't you audition with a song from, like, the part that you want to play? You don't always have to. Uh, Kurt probably wanted to choose a song that showed off his range, which yeah. this one does. I guess that's true. Um, I don't know if it's a great choice, though. No. It's, Okay. He has written permission from Rachel Berry to do a sure. Barbara Streisand number. Yes. That's all well and good. The number itself is good. You know, yeah. it's definitely one of Kurt Hummel's strongest performances on the show so far. Sure. It's very I feel theatrical. like you could say. Definitely. And he sounds really good. Yeah. No, he does. Um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. So let's talk about his other props. Should we, should we talk about the size? <laughs> yes. He has, he has a pair of size that he does knife tricks with at the end because apparently <laughs> 2011 was a very different time in our lives. That um, <laughs> you could bring full on like mini swords to a public yeah. school. Th- did you notice like the random dude who like brought the sigh out? 
it's just like random dudes and it's just like why didn't he just have them set somewhere on the scaffolding no no he has to have some random person come out and bring them to him so that he can just start flipping around these knives in the last long note so we both know we we mentioned this i think a couple of us but we know, we both know the reason this happened is because chris colfer does have these skills in real life and he wanted to yes. use them on the show so ryan murphy was like sure you sure. can <laughs> um even though it doesn't make any sense and it has nothing to do with any of this at all yeah. whatsoever yeah um and is blatantly offensive to like school safety um well it's not but... listen i don't think it's that bad i just think it's sort of stupid <laughs> like well, i don't think i don't think it's like offensive i just think it's kind of strange it, it is strange the reason that i i'd say it's offensive is just like it just seems so flippant to be yeah, sure. so abstracted from reality that you're like oh yeah this this would happen he's doing this audition <laughs> and like he pulls out some knives and just yeah. spins them like ugh. it's great though uh yeah it, and it makes it's a good reason for Kurt to be wearing those terrible fingerless gloves. That's true, um, but yeah, the number the number's great. Um, it's and yeah. Kurt wears like flowy pants for yes. maybe the first time in the whole show. He looks good. That's true, but the the ascot was unnecessary. Yeah. I, I think. agree. <laughs> I agree about that. That's that's the thing is. So I feel like a lot of the jokes that are supposed to happen in this episode are based around Kurt's outfits. Yeah, um, and so like the ascot, I think is supposed to be like the jokey bit where it's like, oh, look how flamboyant he is. But it's like it is a little over the top. Fucking like, take it off. Kurt yeah. needs to just look at himself in the mirror right before he leaves the house and take something off. Yes, that's you know what, whose rule is that? I'm trying to remember what. Uh, it's um. Is it's, that America's Next Top Model? No, it's Coco Chanel. I oh, think. Okay, sure. Yeah, just oh, don't over accessorize. Just one. And Ty- one Tyra would tell him to smize and booty tooch, which I agree. <laughs> that too. Um. So yeah. So it's fine. Um. I did want to make a note at the beginning of this scene. Uh. Uh. Shannon Beast carries in Artie to the. Like, yes. to the place where they are. And he has a line. He says, she's like my own private Jim Henson, which is... I like that a lot. <laughs> just a weird thing to say about someone who's carrying you around. Um... No, I like it a lot. I thought it was really funny. I I, I mean, it makes more sense to me if, uh, if he called her Frank Oz. Sure. Because Frank Oz does more... Um, of the bigger ones. Like, yeah, like... Yeah, like Miss Piggy and that sort of thing. It's good when you still... Say... Well, but the issue that for me is that, like, when you say that, it conjures up the idea of fisting, and I'm just like, this is okay. Yeah, I didn't want to. I didn't want to bring it up because it's a little fucking blue. But yeah, when you talk about a human being a puppet, fisting does come to mind. Okay, we all know. (laughs) But that doesn't mean that doesn't mean we can just outrightly talk about fisting on a Glee podcast. Maggie, if we family friendly. That is the most blatant lie that we have told so far. Also, if we don't talk about fisting, who will? Who, who's going to? You're right. You're right. So anyway, the the audition is fine or whatever. Um, let's cut to uh, really skank, which is Puck talking to Queen in the bathroom. Yeah, that's probably my least favorite use of the word skank in the whole episode. Yeah. Is where like Puck comes up to Quinn, and instead of calling her Quinn, he's like really skank more makeup or something stupid like that uh, no it's, it's her it's it's her choice of cigarette it's oh, like menthol 100s or something he's like really, really skank? skank but Yuck. you can tell you can tell he doesn't mean a capital s he means a lowercase s um yeah he, the nice thing i do have to say about this 
Quinn's like, you, you're not supposed to be in here. This is the girl's bathroom. Which you'll remember, yep. someone told him that last season, and he was like, oh, I checked with my people and saw that no one was going, so I came in. This well, time he, around, he mentions this time. He's like, I'm in here all the time. <laughs> well, he does, but he, he does say it's because the stalls are cleaner, which, mm. you know, maybe that's just a cover, but like... Let, it's it, true. It's nice to have Puck's. It's nice to have Puck clean up his act a little bit and not be such a big, gross, creepy perv. Um, well, but he is still a gross, creepy perv, yeah, just in different ways. And also, I, well, Puck doesn't really. While he is inherently sort of tough and macho, or yeah. at least that is the uh, image that he portrays at this school, he doesn't really prescribe to a lot of that garbage. Yeah. Um, like late, like. He doesn't really bully people anymore, partly because no. he started getting bullied himself. And later, we see him, like, he, like, offers to do drag for, like, a performance. Ooh. So. I'm excited I about don't know. That. We'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but, so he's. I need to stop spoiling the fucking show. Yeah. Damn so it. He, he, tells, he tells Quinn, essentially, to drop the skankitude so that way they can be in Beth's life. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. At least the argument is short. Yes. The next uh, scene is a director meeting in Emma's office. Yeah. So Emma, Shannon, and Artie are talking about, I guess, the two auditions they've seen this far, yes. which it seems strange. It seems like a weird time to discuss your auditions. Um, but no, the so Kurt is eavesdropping over the scene. He's like right outside the window, which yep. I was going to say, it's weird that Rachel isn't there too. Yeah, wouldn't Rachel want to be there? Uh, they, yeah. they do first talk about Rachel and who's right for Maria. Yeah. Shannon talks about how Rachel could work because she's not white. Yeah. Because she's, she's Jewish. Uh, <laughs> Which, well, essentially, she's like, she's got that Jewish thing going on, so it kind of fits with Puerto Rican. Which is like, what? What? Emma's like, well, Mercedes is coming in later to do Mar- Maria. And Shannon's like, well, you know, as long as it's someone who's not white, I'm totally down. I do appreciate, like, <laughs> wanting Ma- Maria to be not white. Yes. But uh, shouldn't they have someone who is is more not white? <laughs> <laughs> you mean like Mercedes? Like Mercedes or Santana. Well, Maggie, Santana's not allowed to do anything musical she, anymore. Sam, so. she's in the musical later in the season. Like, I know. She's in it. Yeah, but that's because she makes she signs the loyalty pledge and she makes up with all of them later. Well, and so they give her a, a bit part instead of giving her like the main lead. I so. don't fucking care what ha- what's happening in the context of the quote-unquote show. I care what's happening. <laughs> I-, I care that Santana is on the show and she's not even considered for Maria. No, it's true. Um, when when yeah. she is the only quote-unquote Latina. Right. God. Yeah, so they, they talk about that and then they talk about Tony and they talk about how yes. Kurt is, quote, too delicate to play is he, Tony. Yeah, that is the words from Artie. They they all sort of come, come to a consensus that Kurt is not butch enough. Yeah. Well, Emma Emma does Emma, make some good points about... I think yeah. Emma has a really good point here, where Tony is a poet of the urban jungle. Right. Which I think Kurt can really pull off, you know? Yeah. But, and I don't think Tony has to be, like, this masculine dude, because that's not the way Blaine is going to eventually end up playing him anyway. Yeah. Like, well, like yeah. Blaine is not, like, a soft boy no. anyway? He yeah. is. I mean, so so let's let's just talk about it real quick. So Shannon is like, I want a Tony that excites my lady parts. Um, that part isn't great. No, <laughs> no, that Artie... line is pretty. It's pretty not great. <laughs> Artie does say that. Um, 
he does ascribe to colorblind and like type non-traditional casting. casting yeah yeah but they they are kind of like well you know like let's see who else comes in and i i think they kind of the problem is i i think it would be i think kurt would be fine as tony i think that blaine just makes a better tony you know he what does. i mean like like if you have multiple options you should pick the best option you shouldn't just pick someone because you know yeah yeah. So well, the the idea that anyone could parallel could even like hope to um have this same kind of star quality as Darren Chris slash Blaine Anderson slash this uh, trickster demon is laughable. Uh, it's like it's yeah. impossible. You know. Yeah. Rachel Berry can barely you know Keep uh, play yeah. opposite with him. <laughs> yeah. So no, but so yeah. So that's um. So Kurt hears this and he gets upset because it sounds like he's not going to get the part. Um, this is a weird part of the story. Like, why the fuck are the directors meeting after only seeing two auditions? Why are auditions so fucking spaced out? Like, yeah. why aren't they just seeing all like all the people for Maria in one day, all the people for Tony another day? Or it like, doesn't really why, make sense. Why not? I mean, honestly, I I, I auditioned for a school musical. Yes. And they just had you... They, you don't audition for, like, specific parts. You yep. just do, like, a, like everyone does the same audition, and then they assign parts based on who was the best. Yep. I don't understand why they're not doing it that way, because from at least from what I've seen from school musicals, that's how it's traditionally done, is you just well, have everyone do it, and then you pick the ones you like the best to make them that's, the stars. Because this is a television show, right? right? Sure. And we understand, like, as... There's sort of a shared understanding in audiences that this is how auditions can look sure. maybe not for like fucking Real? high school musicals yeah. but right you know i wish that season three of glee sort of paralleled high school musical three because in high school musical <laughs> three they do a musical about themselves right okay sure have you have you ever watched the film it, i don't it, did, it got a theatrical <laughs> release you know Oh my god. Kill me. <laughs> it's it's so it's the graduation year, much right. like season 3 of Glee. Uh, sure. and the musical that they're performing within the universe is about Trey, is that his name? Troy? Yeah. Troy, I think, and uh And the other one, Vanessa Maria? Hudgens. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Sandy? Yeah. I I don't think that's her name either. Uh it's, it is about them. Like it's a it's high school. It's the first high school musical retold. God damn! On stage within the third movie. Oh, Jesus, that's it's funny because it's like so abstracted, but it's exactly yeah. the same story. Like yes, it is. It's, it's very strange to watch because there's other characters who, like Troy, doesn't even end up playing himself. Somebody else does. <laughs> <laughs> oh god now i kind of want to watch it but i hate it's, myself it's for so wa- good though yeah. sharpay and uh ryan sing um sing like a really bombastic broadway number it's well, it's great okay. they, they always they're always they, the highlights they of, do always each do of that. those movies so anyway yeah so let, let's keep I'm, going i'm just with saying glee. that glee season three should have been more like uh, high school musical three gotcha. yes a yeah. stage a stage like a show within a show where they're doing a stage production of the first season of glee how maggie but that would be so terrible what are you talking i don't want to hear them sing more fucking journey i'm done with journey i am too i just think that it would be um more entertaining uh, yeah yeah Yeah, that's um but yeah so let's not even that it would be more entertaining i just sort of want to see it happen okay okay so so the next scene is yeah yeah 
Kurt has heard the this director discussion. Yeah. And is sort of he's not feeling good about what's no. happening. He's walking down the hallway and we get a really close in shot of Chris Colfer, Colfer's face uh as he's walking by posters that are really out of focus. Yeah. Uh it's it's a strange shot because we don't really see what the poster looks like and well, we don't really see what the po- we haven't really seen what the poster looks like back in the scene where Brittany was presenting yeah. him with the posters either. We never get a get a great look at all of them. Well, but we're about to because we we the main I think the main gist is that it is like bright pink is like the way we're supposed to know. So like he has like a weird little like horror movie set moment where like he turns to look at it and then we get like a montage of like really close up shots of each of the individual aspects yes, of yes, the poster. Yes. Like <laughs> the the unicorn, the glitter, Kurt's the rainbows, face. Yeah. Kurt's face. Kurt's face is pasted onto everything with big horn yes. on it. Uh, he runs down the hallway to see Brittany and Santana putting these up. Yeah. And he confronts Brittany being like, we talked about a different poster. I don't like these posters. Why are you hanging these posters? Yes. And then he rips them down. Yes. And, well, and Brittany is sad. Yeah. Well, so so one of the great lines, Santana is there. She's helping Brittany. Um, and she says... Hey, these are the Lesgay versions. In the original, the unicorn, unicorn was writing was you. Writing you, yes, yes. <laughs> um, but so Kurt panically grabs Rachel to do a quote emergency audition, and um, Rachel is up for it. She's like, yes. uh, emergency last minute audition, of course. They leave, and Santana consoles Brittany by calling her a genius, which is nice. Yeah, that moment is so sweet. Like she's like, this campaign, you're really. Like, this campaign is great, Brittany. You're really smart, and yeah. I uh, I think you're a genius. Yes. Which is just so sweet. Yeah. Um, but so then we, we move to auditorium. Um, the judges are sitting up there, and it starts off with yeah. Shannon B. saying, Are we seeing more ethnic Marias today? To which Artie responds, That's rude. That's rude. <laughs> then we see Kurt and Rachel... In full costume, yeah, uh, sort full of foppish costume. Yeah, sh- Shakespearean. Uh, they are taking like this big, like bed mattress mat yeah. thing out onto the middle of the stage, because uh, it's not a mattress; it's like a stage mattress. Sure, yeah, yeah, sort of. And Kurt is like, "Okay, I'm going to prove to you how butch I am. We're going to do this scene for Romeo and Juliet. You're welcome." And then yeah. they do the scene. And Maggie, uh, Maggie, it is so gosh darned rip roaringly funny because they uh, all laugh a lot, um, even though there's nothing funny about the scene, unless yeah. you count Kurt wearing a ridiculous outfit. Because <laughs> yeah, the, the outfit is ridiculous. That feather is stupid. Yeah. So like, that's the thing is they they do this scene. It's a scene that's like it's pretty iconic. It's the one where after Roman and Juliet have sex for the first time, yeah, they wake where they're up talking in the about morning. the lark, yeah, and the nightingale, yeah, yeah. and so Kurt puts on like a more masculine voice which sounds yes. fine like there's I nothing think so too. It, funny it about it doesn't sound funny it just no. sounds deeper than how he normally speaks but they're doing the scene and shannon Artie, and emma are all uncontrollably giggling for the whole thing yeah and then right before the kiss that happens rachel also breaks out laughing which sends kurt running off upset but like that's the thing we were talking about it already. There's nothing about this yep. scene that is inherently funny. The reason yep. we're supposed to think it's funny is because these characters are laughing about it. But yep. there's no reason. There's zero reason for them to be laughing. I don't exactly. get it. 
Yeah, I I said the exact same thing. I was watching with somebody else, and uh, after like as the scene paused, I had to pause it to take some notes. And this person was like, "What? I thought that was funny. Like, wasn't it? Didn't you think it, that was funny?" And I was like, "No, it no, was not there's... inherently funny at all. No. Like, Kurt was just sort of normal. I'm not sure why he chose Romeo and Juliet to prove that he's Butch, because it's not like Romeo is Butch. <laughs> he's a very Butch person. Yeah. That's. I mean, I think the the whole point was to remind these like high schoolers that are watching this show that West Side Story is based on Romeo and Juliet, but like." Mm. I mean, and also it puts them in those foppish outfits. That's like, again, That's, is that the funny bit? I don't that know. That is literally the only thing funny about the scene yeah. is is the stupid, like, pantaloons. <laughs> those pantaloons are pretty funny, though. <laughs> uh, and Kurt saying post-coitus right before he started. <laughs> no, he says, he, it, he says post-coital. <laughs> Yuck. Yikes. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, it's Glee Ooh. lying, right? Yeah. Like, it's Glee writing a lazy, lazy joke, and yeah. it's not even a fucking joke, but treating it like one because they don't want to write something that'd be more difficult to execute. Right. Well, and it's also setting up the, this idea that Kurt thinks that he can't play masculine roles because even he's though, so like, feminine, and it's Kurt not true. Is, yeah, especially as Chris Colfer has, like, aged over the yeah. past three years, he is definitely masculine. Well, and even so, like, with this scene itself, we were talking about, he, like, puts on, like, a lower voice, and honestly, like, it sounds fine. Like, he sounds, yeah. like, like if he was playing Tony with that voice and, like, singing at that, like, at that octave, it would be great. It would be yeah. a great Tony. So, like, it's just, like, fuck off. Totally. Like, what are you even, yeah. It's not funny. It's stupid, and I hate it. Um, and it's rude. Like, yeah. it, it, it's, and it's out of left field for these characters. Yeah. Shannon Beast, who ends up crying at Blaine's performance later, would not laugh during the middle of a well, dramatic scene. Maggie, maybe this has all been planned. <gasps> maybe there Blaine. is. Yes. Because, <laughs> like, think about it. We were just saying, Kurt would make a fine Tony. Yep. But for some reason, these characters can't, just can't see it. The directors just cannot see it that way. <laughs> they just think he's hilariously, like, like, he's hilarious when he's trying to be masculine. Hmm... Hmm, how strange. So the next scene is Sugarmata uh, singing, <laughs> I'm a shining star. Singing is a strong word. She's, uh, she's like, warming up, I guess. Yeah, then- well, the, one of the things I just want to point out, like, because she sang Big Spender last episode, and mm-hmm. it was horrible. And I, I remember hearing... Great? Well, that's the thing. is I remember hearing once that, like, being, like, it's it's very hard to be an actor who is good at acting poorly, yeah. Like, and so I feel like singing is probably along those same lines where, like, it takes some skill to, like, be that bad, like, especially I, like, I for agree. the camera. Like, I don't think I could, int- like, yeah, I don't think I could in- um, uh, do that imitation. I, I, I no. couldn't <laughs> sing that bad because no. I'm not that skillful of a singer Singer anyway. Like, I, I don't yes. know how to sing bad. <laughs> well, that's, it's just, it's so, but it's so good, like, how bad yeah. she is. It, like, her voice cracks and shit. <laughs> like, it's so bad. Yeah. Shelby ends up singing at her, like, no, you sing it like this. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, asks, can you hear the difference? Sugamata <laughs> is like, yeah, uh, I sounded good. You sounded sort of nasally. And, you know, maybe we should call it for the day because I can only take so much of your voice. I have <laughs> my Strange Addiction episodes to watch. Bye! Yeah, it's so great. Mostly because the way that Idina Menzel plays that, like, 
yeah, look the fr- of like the frustration. Well, and also just the fact that Sugar literally just called her nasally, like the irony yes. of the scene is palpable. It's so good. Well, that's like a meme, right? Is yeah. that that's the one critique you can do of Idina Menzel is that she's a little nasally sometimes. <laughs> well, but it's I, I was mostly saying that because I feel like Sugar's voice is oh extremely nasally. nasally. <laughs> So yeah, it, she her mouth isn't even open. She's singing with her nostrils, you know. <laughs> that would be so impressive, actually. It would be makes such uh, a good ventriloquist. Sugar leaves. Quinn yes. enters, and they end up having a chat on the role of motherhood and what it means to be a mom. Yeah, Quinn wants to see Beth really yep. desperately. Like that's why she's coming to talk to Shelby. Shelby, yep. it's a whole long scene that doesn't really mean all that much. No. Well, sort of talks about the way Quinn looks, sort of yeah. talks the way about the way Quinn acts, but doesn't really have any specifics about those things. The the one of the takeaways, Shelby reveals that she had a similar phase to Quinn um when yes. she gave up Rachel where she got a um Regis, R- Philbin. Regis Philbin tattoo. Yep. You'll remember Quinn has a Ryan Seacrest tattoo. I would um, say that those two people are sort of equivalent yes i would too um but yeah so then uh shelby also tells quinn to grow up kind of like kind of gives her some instructions on how to grow up and like it it essentially says a thing about stop punishing yourself for the things you did as a child yep but again like it was just nothing was like this is weird that multiple people are telling her she has to grow up in this episode like it is weird yeah uh because it's not that being if anything, uh, Quinn's attitude would be seen as too mature for a teenager, like right. smoking and being a shithead. Uh, <laughs> right? Yeah. No, that's true. I don't I, know. Yeah, it's it, I, mostly. I just feel like there's something there that I just don't like. You don't it's, get. It's not it's good, not there. and I don't get it. Yeah, but totally. Um, anyway, Quinn sees a photo of Beth. Yeah, it's Beth with Puck. Yeah, uh, and then Shelby just leaves her phone with Quinn. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. So, yeah. Quinn cries, and Shelby just like leaves the room while she's crying, which is yes. weird. But it's because Diana Aragon really wanted to have that moment. Yes, exactly. To just revel in it, you know, revel in the the despair of this rich seventeen year old girl. Right. Then let's let's cut to the next scene. Another thing that Finn is good at. It's we get another little short montage of snippets of what's going yeah. on in the hum- Hummel's Tire Shop. Yep. Did you notice that? Yes, I did. That's what I was saying. It's like this episode has a weird number of montages of just like this is what's going on. Like they're they are acoustically satisfying montages. Yeah. For one thing, like we get like a click of Rachel's shoes during one shot. Yeah. It's um, it's a nice way to sort of set the scene without being without spending too much time on it because right. we can't spend a lot of time setting the scene because they have to do all the fucking dialogue. You know. Right. Yeah, they don't true. have all that much time. They have to fit it all in now. Finn is putting a tire onto a car. Yeah, he's a mechanic now, Sam. Rachel is assisting him, and she compliments him um, for how good he is at, at maintenance, at car maintenance. And then Finn lists a lot of excuses as to why he's not doing the musical. Um, and Rachel tells him, you're talented. You could make it to Niada if you tried because which you're is a really lie. good singer. Which it's is not, a It's not true. Lie. Nope. Not true that Finn could do that. We've seen his dancing. We'll see some more of his dancing in just a couple minutes. He's yeah. never going to be good enough. Rachel, stop lying to him. Yes. Finn uh, calls her the best girlfriend ever, and then they half kiss, and then Rachel's like, oh, you have grease on you. I don't want to kiss you. And then they kiss anyway. There you go. Yep. 
yeah, so then we, we are still in the tire shop, but we transition to Kurt and Bert because Kurt is whining to Bert about how gay he is. Well, it's not um, really, I wouldn't call it whining, right? It yeah. is, they have a chat about passing and how right. Kurt wants to be a successful actor, which means that he wants the great romantic roles, which he can't get if he isn't passing. Right. Which, I, it, yeah. To me, it feels like Chris Colfer could pass yeah. if he just wore something else. Yeah, I'm so not saying he should, right? No, I'm right. just saying it's like infeasible to me that this storyline has as much weight as it's given. Yeah, well, that's so. Once again, <clears throat> kind of going back to this, we only have the one instance of Kurt being like what he thinks is denied a role because of how flamboyant he is. But like he played up, he sang a Barbara Streisand song, yeah, and like monkeyed like, around a scaffolding. Like, what are you, <laughs> yes. what are you expecting to get out of that? Like, you know who Tony is. You've seen yep. West Side Story. Like, why didn't you? Why didn't you audition for Tony by right. doing something Tony would do? Bert is. We're kind of back to like last season. Bert kind of fell on, <laughs> fell on the toilet for me. Like, but this, as a person. this Bert scene is so great. This Bert scene. That's what I was saying. Is I think Bert is back back in my good graces now because like he reminds Kurt that like hey if you're not seeing like if you don't see the roles that you think you can do like like if you don't think you can do the roles or people won't let you do the roles then you need to make your own roles like yeah that's yeah and it's and, nice and it's yeah. not even that like. Bert says that Kurt looks a certain way and that he dresses like he owns a magic chocolate factory. (laughs) Yes. And and Bert calls him gay. Like, he's like, you're just very gay. And Kurt uh, is like, why are you being so mean to me? (laughs) And Bert Bert says, I'm not being mean to you. I'm just telling you. Right. Uh, Which is definitely like a, goes back to that internalized homophobia thing. Like, Kurt feels like it's an insult to be called gay. Right. Because it has been yeah. uh, by being at McKinley. But as we can see with Brittany, like, being a unicorn is, uh, it's not a bad thing. Well, and Maggie, do you know what they call a unicorn without a horn? A zebra. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was, we skipped over that, but Brittany's explanation of how unicorns work unicorn is, is very <laughs> good. Like, that must just be how they are on her home planet, because... Yeah, that when a horse does a good deed, he gets a horn. <laughs> In this scene, Bert says, you know what they call a unicorn without a horn? A freaking horse. Which, yeah. yeah. I mean, it really, I, I, it wasn't as impactful as a fucking horse, but you know that's what they were aiming for. Definitely. Um, and Bert, it's, it's really nice to see Bert going back to being... Supportive. Supportive. Instead yeah. of being like, aren't you get, get, like, getting too much attention with your... gay shenanigans yeah see okay see that's the thing this is like diametrically opposed to how bert acted at the end of last season Maybe people were upset like us yeah like because that's the thing is like last season bert was like you're being a little too gay and like now he's like you're gay just lean into it like yeah god so much personal growth or whatever um is it personal growth or is it just a lapse of judgment like i have no idea is it inconsistent character writing is it inconsistent writing in general maybe all of them why not all of those things the next bit is uh we get some more dance whooshing (laughs) yes which transitions into booty camp yes like mike and will are doing some pretty intense choreography with this whooshing and then we see people who have to go to booty camp, like Kurt, Mercedes, Puck, and Finn, all yeah. just looking like they have all the joy beaten out of them. 
<laughs> yes. Well, so Finn Finn is doing this dance with them. Yes. Um, and the other three are kind of watching him do it because apparently they've been here for a while because Finn is really bad at dancing. And we do see Finn fall on his ass, which is yep. satisfying. Um, Shu gives him a pep talk when he falls on his ass um, and is like, I know you can do this. And to be fair, there are some elements of the pep talk that I do kind of like where he's like, who's better at dancing, you or me? And Finn's like, you. And he's like, then I know what I'm talking about and you don't. Get up. Like, yeah. yeah. I, okay. I, you might not like this, but I was presently, pleasantly surprised by how, like, actual good teaching that seemed like no, <laughs> to me. No, actually. You know, I, like, yeah. I was just sort of like, no, this is the Finn, this is the will that they talk about. Right. When they're talking about like inspirational teachers and all that garbage. It's yeah. like this one who's supportive and nice. See, no, no. See, I agree. The problem is it's inconsistent with the rest very, of the things Will has been doing. Inconsistent. But, but part of it is what I wrote down is this pep talk was so good that Finn does it perfectly the next time and everyone applauds. And then I said, God, I wish I was kidding because they he do that. But he doesn't even do it perfectly. Like, no. it's still not very good. <laughs> Well, like, he does it he well fall. enough that he doesn't fall on his ass and everyone applauds him. Like, Thankfully, uh, that's that little part of the scene ends. Like, it's over now. <laughs> Finn does the choreography and they all cheer. And then <laughs> we see an unskanked Quinn. Yes. She's she, here. She's wearing a, a virginal white. <laughs> I know. She's gown. pristine. Like, <laughs> the imagery is striking. Yes. Um, Her hair yeah. is back to perfect peroxided blonde. Yes. And uh, she has lost all of her facial piercings, yep. all of that. Yep. And she is like, I heard that you guys would have booty camp, uh, and it's, you know, people who need help in their dancing have to come do it. You think I could join in? And then, and, yes. And she then was, she's yeah. welcomed back into the open arms of the arts. Right, yes. So uh, Shu lets her back in, and then everyone's like, you know, she gets a hug from Mercedes and all that, and they get into lines for dancing, kind of like we saw before. She's next to Puck, and she she reveals her crazy get-Beth-back plan to Puck. Yes. Um, she wants full custody of Beth. She wants full custody of Beth seemingly with Puck. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the next scene is back in the teacher's lounge. Wemma... Uh, and Shannon are eating lunch together. Yes. And then Sue arrives. They discuss Quinn's relapse into the arts. Yep. How uh, Sue will be able to frame this to benefit her campaign. Yep. In the way that, like, arts is a drug metaphor. Yep. Or something like that. Well, and so she also reveals that she is now first in the polls. Um, Becky Ab- tweeted her. Yes, above yeah. Reggie the Sauce Salazar. Yes, and so um, to end this scene, so then Sue is like, "I'm going to sit at the first or the winners' table, um, which is only for winners." And then, and then she turns to Shane and says, "Recent winners." Although I'm pretty sure didn't the football team win the championship last year? Uh, that's not recent enough for Sue. I guess so. Um, but so uh, Shannon then suggests that they should find the quote anti Sue to run against her, which gives Will an idea, but doesn't really pan out this episode. Um, that's going to be next episode. Yeah, the, the only other note is Sue does yeah. call Will maybe one of the better names we've seen, Creepy the Vest Clown. <laughs> yeah, I, I laughed at that one. <laughs> oh, God, I love Sue, and when she bullies Will, it makes me feel <laughs> happy and good inside. In the next scene, Kurt talks to Brittany and accepts his unicornness. He decides yeah. that he wants to put up Brit's posters, that he 
because he's putting them up as the scene opens. Uh, yes. He's wear- He's also wearing a very cool jacket. Did you spot that jacket? I did not spot that jacket, but it's I don't gra- doubt it. So it's a gray le- like Letterman-style jacket that is covered in studs. At first I thought it was pearls, which I liked also, but no, it's just like a bunch of like little metal studs all over this jacket. It's fucking dope. I would wear the shit out of that jacket. Nice. Okay. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is one of the things that I have come to expect from Kurt is at least decent fashion. Well, so. well, okay. We can't really get into Kurt's fashion talk right now because it's going to be very long. But right. what I have to say is that, is Kurt really fashionable, or just people around him saying that he is, and we're because meant to he's, believe it? Well, I, I think you might be right, but because it's because he's gay, Maggie. So yeah. obviously he is a fashion icon, because I that's how being Kurt gay works. I think Kurt has made some good fashion choices. Yes. Definitely. The the harness, the seatbelt harness, casually worn, the long, the long sweaters... That one Muppet sweater, like the orange and pink one with the white pants. Yes. Those were good. Well, Maggie, the, what about the peacock dicky? The you cut out vest, the peacock dicky. I don't think so. No, no, no. <laughs> Maggie, fashion is about taking chances, and sometimes it just fails, you know? No. Um, no. <laughs> anyway. if, you, if you feel like your fashion is failing when you leave the door, it is not good. So anyway, Kurt, yeah, Kurt tells her she's right, and he invites her to come over and help help him plan for the campaign again. Um, but Brittany reveals that she's going to run because she's a strong, independent, and smart woman. Yeah, she cites that uh, the past five student presidents have all been men, and look where that got them, into a double-dip recession. <laughs> she, she says that, yes. which um, does sort of sound just like a... A uh, ripped talking point from a political pundit, but it's supposed to, and it, it's and it's funny. It's a good joke. Well, and it kind of lends itself. If she's an alien, does she really understand she what she they're running know how for? Politics work, yeah, yeah. Like she doesn't know. D- how does she think maybe the school presidency is somehow related is, to the actual economy? It, yeah, or maybe. is the actual presidency sort of maybe? Yeah. Well, that's, uh, remember, because Santana did want to become prom queen because she true. thought she could convince Britney that she was an Royal actual decree. queen. <laughs> yep. Yes. So, um, anyway, yeah. So, Britney's like, I'm also a unicorn. Well, maybe a bicorn. I don't know. Which, yeah, cheap it's, joke. It's cute. Uh, and <laughs> I am totally behind Britney running because yes. I know she's going to be singing Run the World soon. Yes. Oh, my Which God. is going to be great. But yes. before we get there, something's coming, and it's Blaine's audition. <laughs> because he's singing Something's Coming. That's Thank you, right. Maggie. You're welcome. Uh, um, he's, yeah. he's wearing more McKinley colors. Did you notice? I did not. I was too distracted by his face. And his arms. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even look at his arms that much. He just has a face. Like, his face, Darren yeah. Chris has such a performance face. It I is know. incredible. It, it's like he's able to sort of turn his eyes sparkle up. Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> he's under, you, like, the spotlight. So he's yeah. just, like, shining. Anyway, do you, yeah. Do you think he has, like, a special assistant who just carries around eye drops all the time so that his eyes just do some extra sparkling whenever he needs it? Like, what's can the you, deal? Can you put... Is there, like, eye glitter? Yeah, maybe. That you could, like, put into your eyes to make them sparkle more? Yeah. I don't know. It's, maybe he just uh, has, like, a... He's cast some sort of weird Disney prince spell. 
He Maggie, he could be wearing like reflective contact lenses. That maybe that's it. Yeah. Maybe it's all demon trick, like trickery. It could maybe. be. <laughs> but to be fair, Darren he's, Chris he's, in real life also looks like that. So yeah, I don't know if it could so be demon magnetic. trickery. It's, yeah, it's really hard to not just you know be sort of overwhelmed by yes. a Darren well, Chris so, performance. Yeah. So the directors are eating it up, of course, because of course he excites, he excites all of our lady parts, obviously. Um, and, and then, Kurt yeah. comes in on one of the mysterious balconies that litter this auditorium uh, to watch Blaine sing. Yes. He um, smiles during yeah, it as well. Yeah, he's very approving during the performance. Um, and then as Blaine finishes, he's leaving the stage, Artie stops him and asks him why he is not auditioning for Tony, only for those other smaller roles. Um, and Bernardo asks, or Krupke. Yeah. And so he asks if he'll read for Tony. Um, and then to end this episode, Kurt looks distraught and then turns and walks off of the balcony and then blaine just there's like a close-up on blaine and then it just ends like yeah. we don't get any answer i guess the implication is he says yes like but it it's i suppose that's the implication but it's definitely it's only the implication because we know that blaine's gonna be tony <laughs> well like and i guess because kurt is so upset about it like like i don't i they should have just had him say yes that is a way to end an episode. You can end an episode with an affirmative, like, this is what's happening. You don't have yep. to end it with, like, a weird, mysterious, like, <laughs> oh, what are Quinn's plans for New for York? New York. <laughs> That's what I was going to say, too. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a misguided ending of the episode, maybe. Uh, yeah. Because we know that Blaine is evil. But right. in the story, uh, Blaine could just want to make Kurt happy. And it would make Kurt upset if he got the part... That Kurt wanted. Right. Right? So that's that's the thing. Is I, I I guess it's somewhat like, ooh, up in the air, like who knows? But Is like, it though? Is it though? <laughs> Just... <laughs> uh, yeah. I yeah. don't know. It's anyway, the yeah, it, it's how they end the episode. It, it we have to get into the podcast business because we we've do. been going for a while now, but like that's how they end it, so <laughs> Podcast business. But it's a metaphor. And metaphors are important. Gold stars are important because gold stars are a metaphor for me being a star. Hey, thanks, Rach, for that um, dope ass introduction. Yeah. We start off our podcast business every week with our gold stars. We present yes. them to candidates who have deserve who deserve them you know right people from the episode who deserves who deserve a gold star on their special uh good student chart right obviously or you know they don't have to be students it's good, fine good character Person? whatever we have a special chart good sandwich chart um yes yeah so uh how about you i think i went first last week so did how you about you start us off oh great see i sort of i vaguely remember making you go first last episode because i couldn't decide gold star <laughs> and it's the same this week uh mm. so here's some good options we have shelby corcoran who yep. is great however she has some long droning conversations that don't really mean anything yes she talks about beth a lot which is not she my does. favorite thing from a character or anyone in real life, really talking I don't, about their baby. I don't really want to hear about your kid that often. You know, like I know that's your life and like you're consumed with it, but like yeah. I got other shit to talk about. So 
We I could talk about Kurt because he's yep. a main player in this episode. Yep, and he's full of internal self hatred. So that's but he, you know. But he comes around. He has a redemption where he accepts his unicornness. Right. Well, kind of. I mean, it seems like he's still upset about the Tony thing. So acceptance seems a little far off. But, but he wants to hang the unicorn posters. That's true. That's a good point. And we have Quinn Fabray, who yep. her life is... has been ruined by the arts, but she's made a drastic turn rather quickly with some sort of in, like insidious motivation. <laughs> yes. That's interesting, at the very least. Uh, who else do we have as main? You've got Shannon Beast, who wants more ethnic Marias today. Yeah, Rachel, who... Uh, Laughs at Kurt. La- yeah, that sucks. <laughs> like, I mean, I I have a gold star. Yeah, who's your gold star? Brittany. Oh, that's sort of out of left field, but she... Is it, though? She's, she's smart, defi- and she... Yeah. She she definitely, a, yeah. She's a genius, yep. and she is very into gay shit, which I'm exactly. about. Yeah, um, I know. Mostly, I picked her because, as you like, as you were just explaining through all those other characters, everyone else sucks, and I hate <laughs> them. So, um, at least Brittany's storyline is positive because yeah. she's like embrace. Like she she gives some speeches to Kurt where she's like, you know, it's just if you don't do a good job of running, it'll just be the football jock who isn't like anyone here like we're all either freaks or closet freaks like we need someone that actually represents who we actually are there's a lot of good shit there i like it i like it too sorry i was taking a big swig of my cherry diet coke oh dude i had to turn off my uh like the highest setting on my fan uh for this podcast recording and it is fucking hot in here it's terrible that diet coke was so warm i feel disgusting let's let's keep pushing then so that way you can get back to that nice cool air um thank you i'm gonna just sort of retreat underground like a let's let's move to the best number well i didn't choose my gold star bitch oh i thought you were giving it to britney sorry no you are yeah okay i am well it's obviously (laughs) the best choice so i assumed you would too but (laughs) no i'm gonna give my gold star to kurt hummel okay fair enough yep you know he he does have a coming around moment he has the coming around moment, and I'm the greatest star is definitely the best performance true. since probably Rose's turn from yeah. Kurt. So that's true. That's a good point. Okay, you mean oh no, Maggie, Maggie, Kurt's best performance is definitely uh, was that Pink Houses, Little Houses, the uh, Melon Camp oh, number. Oh, the Melon Camp number. <laughs> when he was sure. Butch, that was the other Butch Kurt. <laughs> you know, it's weird. It's like we've seen this plot before. Oh, yeah. oh wait, no, we have, <laughs> we have for sure. Yes. Anyway, okay, so Kurt for you, Brittany for me. Yep. Both good choices. Let's move to best number. So we have three choices. Very slim pickings this episode. Somewhere by Rachel and Shelby. I'm the Greatest Star by Kurt. And Something's Coming by Blaine Anderson. Yep. What what are you thinking, Maggie? I'm thinking Something's Coming by Blaine. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Mostly because it was like, it's the most magnetic of sure. all the numbers, I think partly it's uh, based on camera work. Uh, yeah. Darren Chris moves around the stage a lot, and instead of relying on close-up like we do for uh, I'm the Greatest Star, like even though Kurt is monkeying around on that scaffolding, it yeah. mostly stays in the close-up. We, we don't really get um, 
I don't know, every time he moves on that scaffolding, we're, like, pretty close in. At least with uh, Blaine, when he's running around the stage, we're seeing more of it. Does that make That's sense? That's true. No, I agree. Um, I was going to say, yeah, like, I, I think the other part is that it doesn't rely on, like, I don't want to say cheap tricks. Cause, Props. Like, yeah, but that's the thing. It's like Kurt's performance was all, oh, look, I'm like climbing up on the scaffolding and let yeah. me spin these knives. And it, it's like, it, it was, it's less of an audition and more of like a talent show, a, t- a Kurt performance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, which Blaine's Blaine doesn't need the gimmicks because Blaine is just such a magnetic person that like, it's true. Yeah. It's, you can't take yeah. your eyes off of him. Yeah. Um, I also picked Something's Coming. Um, I think the all, I think all three of the numbers are really good this episode. I agree. I thought they were but, all really good. And yeah. I was surprised at the end of the episode to realize there was only three numbers. Three, right? Uh, yeah. Because yeah. it doesn't feel like the episode is too quiet. No. Uh, I Which, think partly yeah. because there's like a lot of ar- acoustic intention, like good sound design. Uh, right. We get a lot of the, um, uh, you know, uh, what's it, acapella... Oh, yeah, yeah. Bits yep. uh, all over this episode. And then those montages, like I said, have, yeah. like, good arti- like artistic uh, choices with sound. Yeah, so, very, very ASMR, coffee-pouring, wrench-turning, yep. <laughs> like, nice noises. Yeah. Um, cool. So that was best number. Let's talk rating. Slushy rating. Slushy rating. Okay. I'm gonna give this episode a slushy. Okay. Yeah, I'm also actually giving it one slushy. I like we've said, it's weird because this episode isn't like amazing, but it's also not bad. Like it's yeah. a, it's a fine episode. Like And it's it's characters have apart from Quinn, whose it motivations are undescribed in a way confused. that's not really satisfying. Yeah. Uh, we know what Rachel and Kurt want. It's to get yep. into Niata, and we know that they have to go through these steps for that to happen. Yep. And all around, it's just good. We, we got yep. some really solid interactions between Kurt and Bert, and the Rachel and Shelby interaction, even though it's overly dramatic, as by well, the nature of Rachel Berry, it's good say, as well. This episode would almost be worth giving lower, giving a lower slushy rating to, except for the inability to tell a real joke. Yep. Just having characters laugh at things and expecting us to think that it's funny. Yep. <laughs> I really don't understand what's happening with Quinn's storyline. Yeah. Um, and it makes me feel uncomfortable. And in what, in what just, way? Because, like I was saying... Like, I brought up the fact that multiple adults in this episode tell Quinn that she has to grow up. Grow up, yeah. And then also that, like, she has this weird, like, idea suddenly that, like, Beth, like, she wants to get Beth back. And, like, we haven't had any inkling of that up to this point. And, like, suddenly we're just supposed to believe that, like, she hates everything because she lost her child a year ago. Like, I don't know. It's just... I thought Quinn... So what reasoning do we have last episode for Quinn to become a skank? It's that she's, like, disillusioned with all the bullshit, right? Well, I mean, so Rachel tells us that... Well, first of all, she says, I'm sorry you're so sad, Quinn. Yeah. Which, like, doesn't make any sense. Um, She says that Quinn dated, like, a 40-year-old skateboarder over yes, the summer. that did happen. So, like, maybe that's part of it is just that, like, Quinn, like, chameleoned a little bit and, like adopted some punk attitudes from a 40 year old who'd skateboards but like <laughs> like i don't know how'd she meet that guy was she just like hanging out at some fucking skate parks i have who knows? no idea overall i feel like the quinn plot line is it's just too conf- it's too confused without any motivation yeah for it existing Maggie, is it because she lost prom queen 
did her life just spiral out of control when her only her only driving ambition was denied well, her? Well, that was her driving ambition because she had assumed that she needed to get all the glory out of high school that she possibly could because her life is going to be garbage. <laughs> so then it, it didn't work, and so she just decided to skip to the part where her life was where garbage? Where her life is garbage. <laughs> or she assumes that her life is garbage because she lost prom queen. Oh. You know? So this is yeah. like Quinn just sort of following the same narrative right even though her life is probably perfectly fine she's living with her rich ass mom in that rich ass house like whatever well and that's so i guess i I get that money can't make people happy really but the idea that quinn's life is bad doesn't make sense to me right well and that's i think I, I I guess the thing that doesn't make sense to me is that they've decided to focus all of her rage into like this quest to get Beth back. Yeah. Um, which makes because zero why the sense. Fuck would she do that? Why would right. she do that? Like, I, if I she think thinks her get... life is garbage, why would she think that bringing a child into it would make it better? I think we're gonna get more more stuff about this from no, Quinn herself. Yeah. Um. Maybe some answers to our questions, but right now it does just seem stupid. Yes, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Um. But yeah, I mean, so I mean, I guess for now that's what we got. That's why I didn't give this episode zero slushies because there's some stuff in it that sucks. Yep. Um. Well, but overall, given not it terrible. A, giving it one slushie is like you're welcome. High Lee. praise. <laughs> well, I know that's the thing. Like. Considering the fact that we haven't given a zero slushy rating since season one. Yeah. You know, it's one slushy. We only did that to one episode last season. So the fact that we've already given in two episodes of this season one slushy is. I'm feeling optimistic about season three. Me too. It's going to be great. Yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> trying to hold on to that because we can only. Ha- I mean, I know some things are coming up and I'm very excited. Speaking of, next week, we're going to talk about episode three. Asian F. Uh, um, yes, the Mike Chang episode. Yes. Fuck yes. Fuck yes. yes. Uh, stick so, around uh, yeah. to listen to us talk about that one and all the other episodes of season three. We're very excited to get to them with you. Uh, if you want to support our work and what we're doing here, you can check us out on Patreon uh, at uh, Sam and Maggie Hakley. Just search that in the bar or it's uh, forward slash. Is it a forward slash or backslash? Forward it's Patreon slash, slash. Yeah, the yeah. only the only thing in URLs is forward slashes. So forward slash S and M Hakley. That's also our Twitter handle, our Instagram handle, and our email is S and M Hakley at gmail dot com. You can also find us on Facebook. You can check out Sam on his other podcast that he does with his boyfriend Chris, All Out Brawl. Yes, it's M- an MTG, MTG podcast. That's yeah. Magic the Gathering for you laymen out there. Yes. Like me. So you can follow Maggie on Instagram. Yay! You go to mcard.jpeg, which is spelled J-P-E-G, because That's Maggie right. makes, hates hates me, <laughs> makes me say it that way. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you can check her out there. Check out her art. It's cool stuff. Is there anything else you, you want to shout out, Maggie? No, that's it. Okay. Thanks so much for listening. Come back next week. Bye. I've been Sam. And I've been Maggie. And we hate Glee. From the top. I've been Sam. And I've been Maggie.
end. Oh, fuck! I do that part! Oh, fuck! Fucking damn it. Start over again. Start over again. Okay. <laughs>